Microsoft seems to be stuck in a decision reversal nightmare, Moto X looks fab yet raises privacy concerns, Sky releases a £10 now TV box and even DuckTales Remastered earns itself a mention. All this and more on James Woodcock's Game and Gadget Podcast. Hello everyone and welcome to the third Game and Gadget podcast. I'm James Woodcock, your host, and my website jameswoodcock.co.uk is where you can stream and download all of my audio and video podcasts. Please welcome Ken Barnes, editor at purexbox.com. Hello. Matt Baxter-Reynolds, a mobile software development consultant and technology sociologist based in the UK who blogs for ZDNet. Hello. And Marty Greenwell, writer, editor, and new podcast host at ConsoleMonster.com. Hello. So, guys, we've got quite a bit to talk about, so let's get straight to it. And I've reviewed a new little white box by Sky called the Now TV Box. It's just £9.99. It's a bit like a Roku box, so you hook it up to your TV via HDMI and you can stream all kinds of channels, BBC iPlayer, Channel 5 On Demand, you can even view Facebook photos and videos that friends have shared, Spotify and all sorts of different interesting things. But this is one by Sky. So you won't find Netflix on it because Netflix is a rival to Sky Movies, but you do get Now TV services. So you get Sky Movies, a lot of their more recent films, and Sky Sports live channels. But there is a cost to this, which we'll come on to a little later. So guys, have you seen anything about this cute little £10 bargain basement bit of entertainment tech? Yes, I have. And it's a fantastic bit of kit, actually, uh, James. You, you say it's, it, it's not locked down as much as Sky wanted it to be locked down because you can sideload uh, applications onto the box. So I have da- I have one of these boxes for 10 quid, which is fantastic. Brilliant. It's a bargain yeah. price. I mean, let's start at that. It is bargain quite impressive, price. isn't it? And I have sideloaded Plex onto this box. Plex is a media uh, server. You have to have it running on uh, on one one of your um, your boxes. Uh, your computers. Yeah, one of your computers, and uh, you and uh, it can then serve media, your music, your uh, your films, your TV, whatever you like to have. It's fantastic for ten quid. Sky are, su- are, are subbing something that they shouldn't be subbing and um, it's quite astonishing that they are allowing side loading of um, the problem is they could stop that that yeah, they, because they, it's initial release I mean when you say side loading there's a way for developers to get access to the box and basically this is a Roku LT which is Roku's cheapest box which actually retails for about £35 so you're saving £25 already there and you've got a developer area, and I've done this myself. There's a channel, James Woodcock's podcast, which you can play on the Roku. 
and that's how I did it. I used the developer part of this box, which put in like this special, was it a remote code, if I remember correctly, Marty, you have to do, and it unlocks it all so you can put yeah. an, your own app on it and configure it and set it up and make sure it's fine before you then send it on to be published onto the official store. And the Skybox still has this developer access, which means Marty can sideload or add this uh, unofficial app. Yeah, that's bang on, James. Marvellous. You can, you can sideload this stuff onto the, onto the box. And, and the problem is perhaps Sky can cancel this ability at any time. That's and you can only sideload one. Yeah, you can only sideload one. So uh, do it while you can, and then disconnect your your device from the internet. And then you can never stream anything because that's how it gets all the content. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's yeah. a downside, Martin. Downside. I, hopefully, the, the Sky won't do this, and then I'm, I'm I'm kind of quietly hoping that Sky know that they can have this ability to do this, and and they're just saying, yeah, okay, we'll we'll, we'll happily allow this. So I'm, I, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's 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 kind of really quite quirky thing. Hopefully they uh, they'll, they'll continue to allow this to be done. So they are, as you say, subsidising this, and the reason for that is they have a much more limited channel selection, or you might call app selection, of entertainment services you can view. So as I've already said, there's no Netflix because they are a rival. There's probably oh I don't know fifty channels available you can download which is still you know quite reasonable but on the roku store there's a lot more than that and unfortunately my own channel didn't make it over to sky they've curated that out it's not important enough for them so we should all complain but that's another story but the idea is sky gives you this 10 pound box which is as you say a bargain but then it's got now tv really at its heart so what they want you to do is subscribe to their movie service now, if you get the box for £10, you do get 30 days to watch Sky Movies. So you could get a range of films. It's all on demand. So you literally select, you press OK, and within a few seconds, the film begins. And anyone who's used Netflix, it'll start off a bit low resolution. And over the next couple of minutes, it'll increase, increase, and it'll get to 720p HD in this case. Yeah, it's quite quite expensive, though, isn't it, James? It's... Um it is. It's free for thirty days, and then it's eight ninety nine per month for the next three months, and then it's fourteen ninety nine per month after that. Now, so that is quite a Ouch. hit. But you're getting far more recent movies than maybe Netflix. Although but, Netflix but have just it, got The Hobbit, which was quite impressive. If if you're a a, subscri- a, su- a subscriber of um, Sky Movies, you, you can't actually access the content on Now TV, which. It's a bit of an oversight, I think. Yeah, it seems to they want to encourage people who are non-Sky I'll start again. People who are non-Sky subscribers to their service through so, on-demand means. So, does this Now TV box give you access to the live Sky Movies channels? No, it's no, just no. literally the on-demand for the Sky Movies. That works more like Netflix. But it's the but, same. It's the same uh, service that that they provide. Right, because if I sign up for it on the Xbox 360, I get access to the live movies channels as well as all the on-demand stuff for exactly the same money, and I don't yeah. need to plug an extra box in. But you're a Sky subscriber, room. aren't you? I am a Sky subscriber, but I can't... That's the difference. Well, I can't access... No, it's, it's completely no, you, separate. That, that, that's, com- that's completely correct, yeah. That, that's what makes this box... Uh, yeah, 
a bit of a, a, a interesting thing. Yeah, I, th- I think this is really meant for people who aren't subscribed to Sky. Nine ninety nine seems very little money. I'll buy that. It, you don't have to think hard about it. And then, oh, I'm paying fifteen pounds a month for movies. <laughs> Yeah. But it, but it gets even more expensive if you're interested in this is the live area of it Sky Sports. You get six Sky Sports channels, one through to four, the F1 channel, and uh, it was the Ashes for the time for, being for, for ten pounds a day. Ten pounds a day. So if you wanted to watch a weekend of Formula One, that's nearly twenty quid. Ten pounds a day, just a day. A day, yes. A day. Every twenty four hours, I pay them ten pounds. Yep. So as soon as you say, I want to start watching Sky Sports 1, which isn't high definition, it's a standard definition feed, wow. your, your timer starts, and even if you you know, turn off the box, unplug it, chuck it in the bin, that timer's still going. Right, so the one thing that I would possibly have an interest for this... Uh, is expensive. ...is now completely out of reach. It's, yeah. So it's, it would be cheaper for me to get a full Sky subscription, not have it installed, and use the Sky Player app on the Xbox. Ken, you could get another Now TV box for the price of a day Sky Sports. <laughs> exactly. What, that, that makes no sense. Absolutely ridiculous. But if you don't want to subscribe to the stuff, that's also fine. You've still got your BBC iPlay, your Spotify, and there's still quite a few other uh, channels you would enjoy, like This Week in Tech from the Twit Network, Revision 3. There's quite a <laughs> bit of stuff, and I'm sure, hopefully, it'll expand a little bit more. It's, it's a rip-off. But for 25 quid, what you get? Come on. It's, it's a rip-off. Yeah. Absolutely. It, doesn't seem, it doesn't, seem like, doesn't seem like a good deal. It seems ridiculous, actually. To me. It's not oh, well. too bad the movie side, and they do. I seem to get absolutely inundated with offers. If I resubscribe now, you only pay four pounds for the first three months, and you can cancel at any point. So, if you stick around for offers and keep subscribing and unsubscribing, there's definitely a use case. And for ten quid, there's actually a lot of channels on there that people may enjoy, like the revision threes, the twits, and all the rest of it. But for another £25, then they could have a Roku LT and have a vast array of channels and, you know, not be so locked in. But it's a good option. I give it four out of five. It's a really good box. I just think, actually, the Now TV movie service, the bit rate's nowhere near as good as Netflix, even at 720p equivalent. And the Sky Sports, the bit rate is awful because, of, it, of course, it's all fast action movement stuff and the compression just accelerates the, the artifacts terribly. Well, we also have uh, BT Sports now. Yeah, and, and this is the interesting thing. This is coming to time when there's lots of different options to stream. So, for example, we've, more recently, we've got Google Chromecast. What do we, as guys, think of Google Chromecast? They're taking it a slightly different way. You plug in via HDMI to your TV. It's just a stick. You have to plug it into the power, unfortunately, still. But basically, it's just a stick. You plug into your TV and using your smartphone, be it iOS or Android. Unfortunately, Windows Phone still got no love from Google in this area as well. But you can control it. So if you've got a YouTube app on iOS or Android and you say, right, play that. Oh, okay, I'd like to watch this on the TV. So press here and it sends it off to the TV. And you can still pause and change video all while it's doing that. Operate Netflix, and I'm sure more apps are going to support this in the future. So rather than the box or the stick in this case being the way you control the device, instead you're actually just sending information to it. I want to well, play this video link from here. It's more a uh, a device that that streams your own media from your own media hub. So it's not quite Wait, the same it thing. It gets everything to the cloud. 
it won't get anything locally. It's it's a bit of a weird. Wait, well, it's really clever, but it, it's um, obviously not available in the UK, which sucks. Um, and everyone's gone very quiet about it. You know, the moment it was announced, they sold it out immediately, and the whole of the U- US tech scene was just falling over themselves for it. But now you don't really hear much about it. It's kind of gone very, very quiet. Is, is that because that people actually don't have that much content on their own devices, and uh, they they pirate quite a lot of stuff? Um, yeah. I mean, the the, the the principle of how it works is that it will, it has to be able to address what it, address it over the public internet. So all that happens is that it. Um, your device sends out a, a request to Google servers. They send a notification, push notification down. The Chromecast picks it up, and it goes and gets a URL, and then it just it just present, renders whatever is at the end of that URL on the screen. So it's yeah. great for things like Netflix or YouTube or other content that's out there, but it won't do anything local. Um, and it also means that you can't do any gaming or anything or anything like that. It, it it just literally is a way of just throwing something which you can see on the device up onto a bigger screen. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just looking at news and on Google and just anything about it it's just gone very very quiet actually but do you so, think that's a nicer use case for consumers who are a bit scared of buying another box and don't want another interface or to you know they can actually do it from their phone which they probably all already have or tablet yeah I, I think it's really neat and one of the things that there was um, there was they were getting a lot of proactive flack about was, was people were assuming the setup would be really difficult but actually the setup on it was really easy which goes to show um, goes to show something in that Google is sort of listening more to, to the sort of things this market needs um, yeah and I think you know it's a very low impact very low it's virtually no cost it's only $35 I think it was um, and you know you, you have to have the back end services that support it already anyway it's not like you have to go and buy a whole load of other subscription services to go with it so it's really low impact and really cheap I mean it's sort of designed um, one of the things which is sort of relevant for this is that it's designed to be the sort of device you put on every television in the house and the assumption you've got three or four TVs in the house rather than uh, a lot of the way the tech industry invests in the living room which is to assume one television is special and you have a, you have quite a high spend on that one TV so a PS4 or, a, or a, um, a new Xbox or whatever for multiple hundreds of dollars rather than just these little tiny devices you plug in so in, in that regard it's quite clever um, I'm just not really I'm, I'm just not sure it's gone anywhere. But then Google do these experiments. Um, but then, is it is it going to happen? I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's an interesting idea. At least it's got a chance of taking off, hasn't it? Unlike some of their other projects. Yeah. So Google TV, obviously, we didn't hear much of that over in the UK either. But that that went absolutely nowhere, Will. Um, and yeah, it's still unclear whether Chromebooks really sell particularly well or whether people use them even if they sell them so yeah it's 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 a nice experiment but um it caught everyone by surprise as well i mean there wasn't any rumors or anything about it at all at the end of that nexus 7 announcement they just they just did a thing kind of thing and then suddenly there's this new thing no one had, no one had seen coming is there the danger then that xbox one and ps4 are late to the entertainment consumption party no i wouldn't have said so at all um people who have consoles will probably upgrade to an Xbox One or a PS4. They're probably already using their consoles for Netflix, uh, DVD movies, Blu-rays. So I, I don't see that they're going to suddenly rush out and buy something that does what Chromecast does. You know, I, I certainly can't see a point in owning a Chromecast. 
I, I really don't see that it's going to affect PS4 or Xbox One at all. I think it's fair to say, though, that the both, in particular Microsoft, are looking for a bigger entertainment audience, that they're not just going to be hardcore gamers or even casual gamers. They're going to buy the box for its ease of use and way of connecting to all this different kind of content. And if you've got these devices at now TV, £10, Chromecast, possibly £25 in the UK when it's released over here, and then you look at the Xbox One, 429, PS4, 349, that's a harder sell. It is a harder sell, but those consoles do a lot more you know, than, than just the standalone TV. They do give you access to games. Uh, they allow you to play, well, Blu-ray discs for a start. You know, instantly you can ditch your Blu-ray player or whatever you've been playing movies on already and it's all in the one box you know I, I don't I just don't see the need for Chromecast at all uh, I don't know anybody who would who would benefit from using one personally so that makes it hard for me to see the negative impact against the consoles well that's good then there's room for both areas then isn't there well yeah absolutely absolutely Okay. Well, I, I just don't think the, the, the same. Um, it's not the same users that are having the uh, the the the, uh, <coughs> the console experience compared to the phone experience. I think one of the things that that I'm sort of struggling with in terms of Microsoft's attitude towards uh, approach towards the entertainment is it's a very. I mean, the Xbox is great is a great system and it deserves respect it gets and it's fantastic. But actually, in terms of the things that I'm interested in, which is more um, about sort of post-PC and um, consumerization of IT and all that sort of stuff, I mean, it, it's such a it's such a niche thing. I mean, it, it's the number of people who who are ever going to buy an Xbox 720 is is this tiny fraction of the of, of the sort of the tablet market. And really, what Chromecast is more is it's more for those sorts of people. It's about a way of saying, "Hey, I've got this thing. It's got this really small, small screen on it. I, I need to get this content somewhere bigger." Flick. Oh, actually, now I've got it on my 40-inch, 50-inch TV in the lounge, or the whatever in the bedroom, or or, or in the, you know the kids can watch it in their room. It's it's more for that than than for the console market, which is sort of uh, sort of a slightly funny play. I can't. It, 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 that is always going to end up being a very niche thing. Um, and I think what Microsoft are doing in terms of how they're trying to integrate with the cable providers I can't see ever working because the only way that could ever work is if the if, my, if Microsoft ever positions itself between the cable company and their, and their viewer and they would have to, the cable company would have to be insane to do that I think whatever window of opportunity they had to do that is long past I think they're too wise to it now um, so there's going to be certain you know, user experience problems in terms, of, in terms of how you get the cable content on the Xbox which isn't going to be very customer-led. It's going to be whatever the politics allow, I think. So it could be an interesting 12 months, then. It could be make or break. Yes, I mean, it could be. Because yeah. they're definitely looking for bigger audiences, and if they aren't there, oh dear. Probably doesn't leave the console market in too healthy a state. But anyway, on to our next subject. Moto X. The first phone from Motorola, which we can probably put hand on heart, is the first one designed since Google took them over. And uh, it's got one interesting feature that's got quite a few headlines, and that's the fact it can always monitor the audio for commands. So just like Google Glass, you can say, OK, Glass, record a video, take a photo, and all these other commands. But you don't have to touch the glass and in the case of the phone you don't have to do anything with the phone 
So it's not like your iPhone or your Android where you have to hold down a button and then give the command. It's listening all the time. And this has raised some concerns that, well, if it's listening all the time, what's happening with this information? And Moto X, of course, isn't unique. Connect is always listening. And all that is some other things we'll come on to later with Connect. But basically, are we concerned about any of these devices, the fact that they are now coming to the idea of we can always listen we're listening for these certain commands and then we will react to it accordingly I, I think we, we we are concerned uh, about uh, being listened to and uh, Microsoft have, have certainly uh, taken this into account and uh, decided that they don't have to have Connect attached to Xbox three, uh, Xbox One as a uh, a, a Definitely. So, um, yeah, there's concerns about privacy, I think. Well, okay, let's look at it this way. Do we honestly believe that by listening all the time, that data is going directly to Google or Microsoft, and then there's the risk of the uh, NSA or whatever UK equivalent of that may be that are going to use this data to spy on us? Yeah, I think there is the concern that that is the case. Uh, which is why Microsoft has said that no, we're going to disconnect, uh, uh, connect from uh, from Xbox 360. Yeah, I think that's a very real concern. But do you think this is just the start, though? Because obviously now this feature is, you know, capable within hardware and software. We're probably going to see it more and more in everyday devices. So it's going to be everywhere. So we can't just simply say okay, we're going to turn this feature off, we're going to unconnect this camera, how are we going to cope in the future? What needs to be done? Does there need to be a new policy? Do we need to be better educated as consumers to what the risks are? What needs to be done? I don't know. I'm fairly relaxed about this, to be honest. I think it's... Um, it's Would I necessarily mind if things in my house were active all the time, listening out for when I need them? I don't really see that as being a problem. I always think a lot of this privacy stuff is... is um, I'll try not to be too casual about it, but then again, there is this sort of issue as who, who actually cares. There's an awful lot of people in the world, and I'm not particularly that interested, that interesting. So, you know, yeah, if my phone's listening to me and it can respond when I'm talking, that that is could be helpful. I, I think there's more pace for it to end up embarrassing me rather than intimidating me, to be honest. But, you know, but, but you know, okay, then, then would would you be happy to have a camera that that photographed you twenty four seven? Yeah, it's interesting, you know, do I feel different between the audio and do I feel different between the video? And I think I do feel a sort of an in, sort of a general it is less comfortable the idea of having it done with a video. And I think that's I've never really thought about that and it's something I'd have to think about. But, you know, this is uh, one this probably isn't something you can put it, it, this isn't a genie you can put back in the bottle. This is just going to keep going now. I, I um, think it's very, very we have to be very careful about the situation that we're in at the moment and um, we should not allow government to monitor us 24-7, I think that's just wrong we, I, 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 don't, I don't like the idea that, that we can be spied on 24-7 Well the government isn't spying on us 24-7 well, it's, 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 it's not like everyone who has a motor X is going to be spied on the, the, They <laughs> are, but the point that they can yeah, and well, that's and what we need to be careful. They'll, they'll, they'll just get more more efficient at that. I mean, you think about it. There's what what they can do with 
prism or whatever that is and the, the associated systems that all the governments have got you know 50 years ago would have been inconceivable it's 50 years time what what they'll be able to do will be inconceivable to us today even if we're thinking about it really hard i mean yeah i mean it's one of those um again this isn't something i've thought a lot about but it is it, this again is another problem that's only going to get worse but actually <coughs> we we as a as a free society set up systems that would ultimately get to this point and we knew they would we know that if you give an agency the ability to listen to phone calls they'll want to listen to every phone call they'll want to capture every packet yeah. they'll want to watch everyone all the time so and that's just the newspapers yeah um okay <laughs> <laughs> I think what do you, yeah where where do we, where do we go with that as a society I think it's these these yeah are really I, th I think the belittling things there James it, it, the fact is if a government can monitor us twenty four seven then they will do that and I, I I think that is a scary thing if I'm perfectly honest I don't care I don't what, care if the why why don't you care I'm, why why do you not care that your privacy would would you be happy then for a, a camera to be in your house. 24-7 monitoring what you're doing if somebody gets some sort of um, something out of watching me 24-7 then fair play I don't care I re I'm not doing anything illegal I'm but, not... but, but, but that, that's the whole point you're not at the moment but perhaps there's something in the future that might change that and then makes your thing that you're doing illegal and then you're captured Right. Okay. Well, they could make walking down the street illegal. I could be captured for walking down the street. Nobody would be watching me. A policeman just happens to see me walking down the street and puts me in prison. It could happen anywhere. The laws can always change. Exactly. This is the whole point. This is the whole point about uh, uh, having something that is twenty-four-seven monitoring you, doing what you are doing for your perfectly legal thing. Okay. And I dare say that. If something was made illegal that I was doing, you know, I was I was watching Breaking Bad, and they suddenly made Breaking Bad illegal, then, you know, I, I would stop watching Breaking Bad probably. You know, it, it's just I, I don't see the problem. I, I mean, from a personal point of view, some people, fair enough, but I I don't see the problem. I don't care. That scares me, to be honest. It scares me quite a lot. Surely it should scare me. Well, I mean, it's but it's, but it's going to be the attitude that I mean, it's you're either going to have people who don't, who who aren't informed, and don't care by definition, or people who are informed and don't care. I mean, there's going to be that audience of people is going to be way, way more than people who do actually care. Just take the devil's advocate perspective, isn't it? I mean, it's it's. I um, think until we I see mean, examples where it's misused, then we can better work out where it's gone wrong. These things are always misused. Those. They're always misused. Of course, everything in society could pretty much say is misused in some way, and it's when we find out that we can react and sort it out and hope that it doesn't happen again. But, but once you put these things in place, this is the problem. This is the whole the whole problem. Is once you get these things in place, where the power is given to the government, you can't. You don't get that back. We should not give these things away. Well, I mean, and then, of course, let's be clear, Google and Microsoft are not giving anything away to governments or anything. It just possibly leaves that there may be a request made at some point that somebody's doing something that's really serious, suspected, of course, and then they may think, okay, we've got these devices that's always watching, always listening. We can use that to see what's going on rather than using traditional surveillance methods. 
But there's no, you know, Google and Microsoft not saying, government, here you go, have a look. <laughs> so it's not completely uh, in a mess. I think there is a middle ground to this. But until we, I think we see something where it's gone drastically wrong, then we can better address the issue. But I think at this case, we've got the extremes of I don't care, which is absolutely fine. And to a certain extent, I don't care either. But I'm also concerned, like Marty is, it could be misused. What sort of people are going to take advantage of this? And not yeah. necessarily just governments, people like hackers, um, newspapers, uh, any, you know, organisations where this, something like a spying on a boss, spying on an employee, you know, what is going to happen? I'm no security expert. I don't know what's possible of encryption, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, all encryptions are complete 100% tight so I was going to say the long and the short of it comes down to if you don't want to be videoed which I'm relatively sure is not happening um, and Microsoft aren't hearing about it don't plug your connect system into Xbox One if you don't want your phone to monitor you don't buy a Moto X simple as that and also if you're worried about a device having a ability to record video and take photos and listen to audio well the chances are you've owned one for many 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 years absolutely how about the actual technology do we like the idea of being able to say i mean i remember watching films years ago and they used to walk into a room and go illuminate and the lights would come on and we'd go oh that's so futuristic how is this any different sure this is great well, I agree with that. That's basically what we want, isn't it? That's where these things come from. It's, it's a lot of these ideas always come from these science fiction thinking. Um, and yeah, you know, it'd be helpful. It'd be helpful if it worked properly, which it won't do for about 50 years. But, you know, it, it's. Um, <laughs> well, it won't, will it? <laughs> well, probably not. Look no. at Siri. No. Yeah. Um, silly Siri. Yeah. Bless it. So, uh, sorry, yeah, I, I think I, I think it's a cute idea if it, if it works. Um, it's yeah i'm sort of again i'm relaxed bring it on i think it's a nice it's a nice idea i'm not sure it's so, an important differentiator in the market but that's, no me um, neither if it can turn on the lights though then we should all get one yeah yeah definitely if we can say illuminate i'm there so grand theft auto 5 should we all go wild with excitement because certainly the videos we've seen so far and particularly the online looks exciting to the extreme but has it got the risk of it all being overhyped? Because I think there's definitely a web consensus that they're thinking this could be just absolutely epic. It's going to be absolutely amazing. This isn't even next gen, but everyone's so excited. And the way it's being marketed is fantastic. This has got all the elements to be a marvellous thing. But normally when we get this excited, we're usually a little let down. So what do you think, Ken? As a gamer, can Grand Theft Auto live up to its hype? It can live up to most people's hype, but not everybody's. Um, well, yeah, that's the general rule of thumb, isn't it? <laughs> there are people out there who have driven this through the through the stratosphere. You know, uh, they they think this is going to be the thing that's once they've completed this game, they can die happy. You know, because that's all there is to achieve in life. But uh, but apart from that, it, it's going to be a solid game. It looks looks exciting enough. The online, as you say, looks excellent. Um, you can't really say too much until you've actually got the thing in your hands and you're playing it. What about you, Marty? Have you been a GTA fan in the past? It looks so good in these videos, doesn't it? I'm, I'm quite sceptical that it would actually look as good on the consoles as it does on the uh, videos that we've seen. That's all there is to really say, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> This, this is it. Until, until you're actually play, playing the game, there's, there's no way of 
judging. I mean, it, can it live up to the hype? Of course it can, to a, a greater extent. Um, but yeah, we're going to have to wait and see. It does look fantastic, but has it lived up to the hype in the past? I think so. Well, that's a good sign then. That's a very good sign. I've played GTA since it was one of the, you know, one of the ones where it viewed it from the top down. And ah, the good old top down views. Yeah. I'll, oh, I, f- I actually think I enjoyed it more back then. <laughs> <laughs> it looks amazing. It's a game, but it just looks it looks almost impossible. It looks like they've it looks too much like they've built an entire universe inside the damn thing. To be honest, yeah. Yeah, you probably need to block a month off work to even appreciate it. It, it looks too good. It, it looks like it's it, it's just fantastic. It's the the type of game that I wish I could have played when I was uh, five years old. Okay, moving on, and this is pure nostalgia. Before the podcast, we were talking about console we owned and what our first console was, and in most of our cases, it was the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. I hope a lot of you can remember what that is. If not, please Google it. It was what got certainly the majority of freelancers nowadays into the gaming industry and talking about it and gaming and all the rest of it. But a classic title that came out on the Nintendo Entertainment System was DuckTales. Now, DuckTales, again, hopefully a lot of you know what DuckTales is, was a cartoon around in the late 80s with Scrooge McDuck, based on Ebenezer Scrooge, with his uh, nephews Huey, Dewey and Louie, and a whole host of other characters, and of course by Disney. And it was just a fantastic show of the era. Anyone around our age, and I'm in my early 30s, would know DuckTales and probably fell in love with the concept and enjoyed it very much as a youngster. And now, all of a sudden, 20-odd years after its last airing of DuckTales, you know, the last official run, ignoring all the repeats, we have a DuckTales remastered of the original Nintendo video game. So, have any of you had the chance to play it yet? No. <laughs> no. Well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> and it's, and uh, I'm guessing a lot of people might be put off as well, because a lot of the reviews have been fairly average in its score and it's probably because it's hot probably too much on its nostalgic elements so for example it plays almost identically to the original nintendo game and of course back then there were lots of different limitations and control systems and uh, a, a really good example is on the nintendo the original game if you killed one of the enemies and then moved along the screen but then came back again that enemy would reappear now at that time it was more of a case of the machine didn't have enough memory to remember which enemies that had been eradicated over time. So it just kept reappearing as you went further and came back. I hope that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the new version, it's exactly the same. Of course, there's none of that memory limitation anymore, but you know it keeps that identical gameplay element. And maybe that's important for the people who played it originally, but nowadays we're probably a little less forgiving, and there's certainly a lot of elements within the game that hark probably too much to that original title, and it's probably crippled it a little in the gameplay experience. But I must say, I am really enjoying it. They've got a lot of the original voice cast from the DuckTales cartoon series back in the day, such as Scrooge McDuck, and although it's a little long-winded, the character conversations... As I say, I'm really enjoying it. The enhanced music, which they've remastered, is fantastic. The graphics, and particularly the hand-drawn animations, are superb. So please give it a go. It's I think it's 11.99 on Steam, 
or get it in a cell, whatever you decide to do, do give it a go. It's a beautiful looking game. And that's my roundup of DuckTales. Remastered. Anyway. So, Apple announcement, which we suspect, still not officially uh, confirmed, will be on the 10th of September. And we probably expect an iPhone 5S, an iPhone 5C, which may be a cheaper version of an iPhone. There's even rumour of a gold iPhone, so all the rappers are rejoicing at that fact. All their bling. See, I'm really with it, guys. Uh, and possibly an iPad mini with Retina. The iPhone may have a fingerprint reader. What's it all mean? I mean, is Apple still exciting? There's a lot of people saying they're probably not quite as innovative as they were in the past. What do you think, Matthew? You're all on this side of things. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know. I think it's, I think it's really easy to say, you know, iPhone's losing some of the shine. Uh, sorry, Apple's losing some of the shine. Or blah 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 blah. And I, I really don't know. I think you know they've, they've still got such, they still put out such amazing, amazing products. They have such amazing pull in the market. I don't. I don't think it matters. I love the idea of a gold one. I think that's really clever. I mean, there's. I think a lot of the reasons why they think about the gold ones are for other markets where that sort of gold bling really sells. But again, that sort of taps into Apple as a trendsetter. You know, no one ever used to make um, metal, you know, beautiful metal machine, metal devices, and now everybody does. But that's really because Apple did that. So now it's going to be like, well, we've done silver. So the next way, the next thing we're going to look at is we're going to look at look at gold. I think that's interesting. I haven't made much sense as to what the five C, the, the the lower cost one, um, will actually mean in other markets. That could be important or not. I think I think it probably is important. Um, but I think one of the things we really struggle with when we're in the more developed markets is actually understanding how those how those less developed markets actually work. Um, but yeah, the fingerprint reader is interesting. There's people uh, talking about that in terms of um, NFC payments and so on. So to just pay, you'll just pick it up, touch it with your thumb, and then you know, touch your phone against the reader, and then it will work. That could be interesting as well. How confident of- though are we that it will work? Because <laughs> oh, fingerprint yeah. readers I've tried in the past have been a bit hit and miss. No, I don't. I don't even bloody know. I mean, it's it's one of those I've never really wanted to be locked out of my machine, so I've never tried doing fingerprint. Um, unlocking, even though it's, it's been available for a while. Another, in talking about the Moto X, they've apparently come up with this little clip thing. I can't remember what it's called, but it's like an NFC chip that you hold against your phone and then it unlocks it. Um, so y- y- those sorts of tokenized, richer, you know, you, if you took my phone and you, you guessed what my pin was, you'd be able to get in wherever, you'd be able to get in my entire life. You know, it would be better to have something a bit slicker than that. So, yeah, I think, I think it's it's. It's interesting. I'd like to see more innovation in the iPad side because um, I think we've we've been waiting a long time for anything interesting to happen in the iPad. But no, it's. I'm not sure I'd buy an iPhone 5 either because I really like my Nexus 4. Oh. Um, and a bigger screen. It needs to have a bigger screen. The iPhone screen is way, way, way too small. Much, 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 much too small. It's ironic, isn't it? Because I remember when I first got my iPhone 3GS and I thought, gosh, this screen is big. Yeah. And now when Android brought out their absolutely gigantic five inch plus screens yeah oh my goodness iphone does feel so small next to them yeah i've been thinking about getting a galaxy note 3 when they come out actually to, tr- to see what having a really big screen's like on a phone oh now that, that's verging well they call it a phablet don't they <laughs> a phone yeah, and yeah. tablet a phablet yeah do, do you feel comfortable having something so big next to your ear though when you make a phone call i mean it's it reminds me of these where they used to take the mic 
in the late 80s when people did have massive mobile phones and it wasn't out of choice it was because there were just such big gigantic oh. machines to get reception and to carry yeah, the big I, I never used mine for a phone i mean i had we went i went on holiday for a week recently and when i looked at my recent calls list i thought there was a bug in it because the last call i'd received or made was 10 days prior it's you know i don't use it as a phone i'm not sure most it's probably not true i think there is a huge <laughs> audience of people who buy these phones who never use them as a phone Oh, so it sounds like the phone for you then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see the fingerprint if it works, and this is the big caveat about anything. If it works, uh, I use LastPass, which is fantastic. But the only downside on the iPhone is when I want to get to access my passwords, and this is what LastPass does: it stores all of your passwords encrypted, yeah. so you don't have to remember them. You just have one master password. So just remember one password and you have access to all of them on various websites, be it PayPal, eBay, and whatever other services you use. Facebook, Twitter, websites, forums, whatever. It's all on there. So you can use these really long, random, generated passwords on all these sites, which makes it a little bit harder for people to mm. take your password. Or if one site's hacked, which is completely beyond your control, and they get that password, well, they can try that wherever they like because, you know, it won't work because you've got a different one for every other site. Yeah. Great. Yeah, yeah. So if they brought that in with the fingerprint reading element, where I could, instead of putting in my master password each and every time, I mm. just hold down my thumb on the screen, and then it copies the password I want, that would be a good thing. Yeah, it's good squishy. Yeah, I like that. I always get nervous typing a password on a phone because I wonder who's watching. Who's watching? It's like when you're putting your pin on chip and pin credit cards. You have a quick sneaky look around to see if anyone's having a Do you really do that? Because actually my kids like using chip and pin. So I just... Well, they like doing the credit card, so I just read out the number. So when they plug the card in, I just tell them what the buttons to press. Really? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. it's like, you do oh. actually have to have the card for it to work. So it's quite it's quite interesting seeing the reaction. Some people are completely blasé, and other people, other shop people, get really panicky about it. Yeah, but uh, it's it's an irrational fear. Maybe I don't know. It's like when I see a spider, I just go, "Oh no!" It, it probably is valid. <laughs> it probably is stupid. But it's just kind of well, you know, they're going to learn it eventually, and it's just it. I, I don't think the risk of them learning how to do it. I mean, my thing is I quite like them being comfortable with technology, so it's kind of like, well, okay, yeah, you can do the card. That's cool. Absolutely. But what if the person next in the queue isn't a family member or even a friend and they, uh, you, you catch them looking at what you're doing? Do, does that make you uncomfortable? No. Ah. So this would be someone having to steal... Well, we're still talking about the same thing. So someone would have to steal the card, yeah? They'd have to run yeah, away with yeah, the card. Yeah, of course, yeah. I'd probably just phone the bank and get it stopped. Yeah, but what if they're in cahoots with the people behind the checkout? And they've yeah. swiped your card in a manner because this has been known to happen in the past. No, but I've I've had cards get you know we've all I guess we've all had cards get skimmed before. Well, not skimmed, but claimed. I mean, I had a card. Uh, one of my credit cards got blocked the other day because somebody had um, uh, somebody had claimed it somehow. Well, that was a card I don't use with the kids. So, and I suppose if we have fingerprint readers, what's to stop them cutting off our finger? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll, that'll just not. That's been done in a few films as well, as I remember. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This is the retina scan that's been done in a few films. Oh, yeah. Which film was that? Was it Demolition Man? <sighs> but anyway, I digress. We're not a movie yeah. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Is anybody thinking about getting the next iPhone? Not until it's cheap enough to warrant me repre- uh, replacing my existing iPhone 5, which I'm completely happy with. Well, I guess you're on a two-year contract anyway, so it would make little sense, wouldn't it? Well, yeah, I've been known to go and buy handset only <laughs> before. But um, if the handset was was that impressive, but um, no, I'm I, 
I don't see what a new phone is going to do for me. My iPhone 5 does everything I I want it to, so... And this is the problem, isn't it? These phones are getting so good now. Really, do we need anything else? Is a fingerprint yeah. reader going to get us foaming at the mouth of excitement? Probably not. I no, don't think so. Yeah. So mark your calendars for Windows 8.1. With this hilarious blog post that Microsoft released on August the 14th, just to say, mark your calendars. <laughs> and it starts off beautiful. This, if you need to encapsulate what Microsoft is in a sentence, this is how you do it. Just listen, folks. This is from their blog post. I know a lot of folks are eager to find out when they will be able to get Windows 8.1. I am excited to share that starting at 12am on October the 18th in New Zealand... That's 4am October the 17th in Redmond. Windows 8.1 and Windows RT 8.1 will begin rolling out worldwide. Now, don't you think that's brilliant? They've brought in New Zealand from nowhere, and I'm sure the people from New Zealand are really appreciating that fact. We sneak in Redmond, because that's where Microsoft are based. But what does it mean? <laughs> I had to look at that twice to think, when's it coming out? October the 17th or October the 18th? Matthew! This is your chance to shine. Is it? Yep. <laughs> Definitive answer from Matt. Come on. UK, uh, 17th or 18th? 18th. No, it's the 17th. A 50-50 chance there. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, it's coming to, I think, if I've got my facts straight as well, it's coming out to the, on the store to download on the 17th and retail versions will be on the 18th. Right. There may be some differentiation, of course, if you're around the world and the time zones and all the rest of it. But basically, for UK users, I think that's how it is. But the fact that we even need to question this and think about it hard is a major fail. Well, yeah, but Microsoft is trying as hard as they can to find new and improving ways to screw up marketing, uh, screw up their messaging with people. I mean, Absolutely. It's, it's like, is, are MSDN users getting a copy early? Are TechNet users? Are what? No, we don't know. You know, the last piece I read on that was actually that it was unclear whether um, we were whether those people were <laughs> discussing on. So I don't know. Weird. All but it's coming out on one of those days, <laughs> and I think that's the safest way to put it, isn't it? It's good to hear. Indeed. Anyway, another bit of a mishap for Microsoft, and there's going to be quite a few of these in the podcast, I'm afraid. SkyDrive. They can't keep the name SkyDrive because B Sky B, UK based. I've got the rights to Sky. Sky Movies, Sky Sports. So we can't have SkyDrive because, you know, you never know. Sky may want their own online cloud and they'll probably call it SkyDrive. So they've kicked off. Microsoft's basically had to relent and SkyDrive, the name, is no more. You'll still get the service, but it'll be probably called something dreary like Microsoft Drive. But, uh, yeah, SkyDrive, which I actually really liked as a name, is going to be no more. It was a good name, actually. It was. So have we got anything to say about that? Should Microsoft have known better? We've been here before. Metro. Great name. And that was gone. Well, actually, technically, we still don't really know why Metro got canned. That was still not clear that it was anything to do with that store in the States. This, this is much more obvious that, that Sky just don't want... Or Sky, B Sky B don't want anything called Sky out there in the market. Um, it's embarrassing. It certainly sort of looks like they should have done a better job of... Um, of, of checking out that trademark before they committed quite so much money to it, bless them. Yeah, and the fact that they're going to have to change it globally as well. Yeah. This is not just restricted to the UK, where the really problem seems to reside, but it's 
a global rebranding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never mind. And on to the next Microsoft, Microsoft, Microsoft problem. I'm talking of U-turns, and now uh, Matrix left to Zynga. Probably unrelated to all the troubles, but probably didn't help. So, since the last podcast, we've had a major reversal on their DRM stance. The whole used games and sharing and how that was going to play out. Now, personally, I, and I I don't think Ken was too concerned about this, because I think we were quite comfortable with digital distribution and Microsoft seems to have some tantalising options of how games might be shared. But Mm -hmm. there was certainly a big kick-off in the community, wasn't there? And eventually Microsoft had to fall on their sword and say, no, we're not doing it that way anymore. We're doing it exactly as it is on the 360. So shall we be hailing this as a major victory or have we probably missed out on something we're not aware of? Uh, We've probably missed out on a fair few things that we're not aware of yet because we're apparently all stuck in the past. So, you know, it's it's, happened, we're moving forward. Uh, Xbox One is going to come out and minus a few features that could have been quite good, some of which may have pushed gaming forward quite a bit, but it is what it is. It's it's another box um, that's you could put a PS4 logo on the front of and a few people would probably not be able to tell the difference, you know? And this is not the only reversal, of course. Mandatory Connect, which has said, no, it has to be connected. It's very important to the system. We believe in Connect. It doesn't have to be connected anymore. (laughs) That's changed. Self-publishing. No, we're not making any changes here. Oh, wait a minute. Sony's doing what now? All right, we'll, we'll make sure you can self-publish. Headset in the box. You don't need a headset in the box. You've got Connect. That'll be just as good. Oh, you want a headset in the box? Here's a headset in the box. We don't need to be upset. So <laughs> there's been so many changes with Xbox One. And I, it just reminds me so much of the PS3 when that was first announced. It was going to have all this array of ports on it. It was going to do all these amazing things. It was cut back and cut back, and that was chopped and changed even after release. And Microsoft sort of having to do the same with Xbox One in a more internet vocal age. And it, it just can't be good for PR, if nothing else. Uh, Microsoft haven't been good for their own PR. You know, they're, they're, it's not the fact that they made the changes. The, the way they presented the information... Uh, to gamers, I think, caused a lot of them to be outraged and to to have problems with DRM and uh, online check-ins and things like that. They didn't explain it properly from the outset. You know, you'd get a little piece of information from the press conference and then some head honcho somewhere would say in an interview to one publication something quite important about the whole system. You know, there was no, this is what it will do for you, read this. You know, there, there was no uniform message from them. Um, I think since then, their uniform message has been, we will do whatever you want, all you need to do is complain loud enough. So yeah. at least at least they're presenting a unified front now. I, I don't I agree that uh, Microsoft have, have just capitulated. They, well, do you think they've done the right thing? Have they I done the they responsible the right thing, thing, or have they gone too I, I, far I, now? Because no, they no, seem to have I, gone back on almost every area. I think they have have done the thing that they needed to do, because if they had not have capitulated, and the stuff that um, people were complaining about 
they would have been stuck in the water and they would um, be uh, having having no pre-orders. And I think that's that that they are actually responding to the fact that um, people are not pre-ordering the console. Are people not pre-ordering it? Do we actually know anything about the about the pickup or the popular uh, popularity of them? We know that the pre-orders were selling out before they made changes. Um, uh, there was a lot of misreporting as to how many were being sold, uh, how many people were pre-ordering. A, a lot of the uh, reporting came from, on the basis that people were pre-ordering to cancel later because obviously they don't need to put the money down. Uh, right, okay. Pre-order. Um, but they were selling, you know, I mean, they were most certainly behind the PS4. But on uh, Shop 2, for example, with its pre-order chart, Xbox One was number two, PS4 was number one. So, you know, pre-orders were were coming in, they were being made. I just think that some people were being very, very vocal, whereas everybody else was just getting on with it, really, and Microsoft appears to have listened to those that were very vocal. And the sad thing is, if they'd have done this correctly, made the marketing correct, informed us better... I can only think the explanation was they wanted to reveal it in their own time, in their own particular way. They didn't want to give too much away to competitors. They wanted to make sure there was all this excitement in the months running up to its actual release. And they botched it. Absolutely. It's as simple as that. Just on Amazon at the moment, on the US site, PlayStation 4 is the 10th best-selling. It's got a number... It's got... Uh, Amazon bestsellers rank of ten, and the uh, Xbox Seven Twenty has got Xbox a best- One. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, this Xbox One. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's got um, uh, sales rank of forty six. So the um, it does rather look like the um, PlayStation spanking it. Can you still pre-order though? Mm, yeah, pre-order. Is that, yeah. Is that skewed by the fact you can't pre-order because of sold out? I don't know. I don't know. But the fact uh, of the matter is, Microsoft must have seen something, whether it was number of pre-orders or just the audience attention, the trolls or whatever you might call them, causing issues and bad PR, and they had to do something. And I hope we get the console that we get comes with Connect as standard because that seems to be the thing they're gunning for next to get rid of as standard to bring the price down. Yeah, I think we'll find out uh, a lot more at Gamescom this week. Um, Microsoft has a conference, I believe, on the 20th, which is a non-streaming conference, uh, which a number of people have been invited to, but um, they'll release the news from that on the day via uh, Xbox Wire and uh, Major Nelson's Twitter feed. Uh, But I think we're going to hear quite a lot there, and it really wouldn't surprise me to see them take connect out of the box i wouldn't i don't want them to i really don't want them to but i think that they will they they could rather okay so basically the two almost identical consoles with nothing to really differentiate between each one yep and that's what people seem to be happy with so hey cool okay our last topic we'll end on a high no we won't what am i on about blackberry (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> not so looking not quite looking so great uh they could even be considering to sell to another company or refinance or change product lineup completely 
the future looks quite unclear for BlackBerry. And it is a shame there was such a giant not so many years ago, where it seemed ever since the big smartphone changed, they've been very slow to catch up. And even Windows Phone seems to have had a few years advance on BlackBerry in releasing a smartphone. And they're really struggling, but they are making some progress. And thank God they've got Nokia on board, because they've done a lot of good, I think, with Windows Phone. But BlackBerry, not so good. So is it, first of all, is there a future for BlackBerry? Uh, no, it hasn't been for a long time, really. Right. Is there anything that can be done at all? Uh, Nothing? Is that no, it? Are we just can, wiping they, them off? They can abandon going out for the consumer market and just go back to being some sort of specialised player. I mean, it, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, no, they've, they've completely screwed this up. Well, they haven't screwed it up. I mean, it was impossible. They didn't have the mass. So, you know, it's it's now... The, the other thing I've been trying to talk about a lot recently as well is that really the market isn't a case of iOS and Android and Windows Phone. The market is uh, Apple and Samsung and Nokia and BlackBerry. Um, you know, it's not... Consumers don't go out there and buy the platforms. They go out there and buy the brands. And the BlackBerry brand doesn't have what it takes. And now the Lumia brand is more interesting. So that's 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 taking over. But the, the interesting thing about BlackBerry is they're sort of talking, well, we're publicly going out there and saying we're willing to sell. But they would have been... Um, they would have been punting that business around for a long time. And they would have, you know, anyone who was interested in buying that would have done it quietly on the sly. So the fact they've done it publicly tells you that nobody has been that interested in it as a, as a firm. Um, and a lot of the technology stack is is interesting in a very niche way, but getting less interesting because, of course, it's they've got this really clever back-end infrastructure, which is secure and peer-to-peer and blah, blah, blah. Um, but everyone has been doing rather well without that for the past couple of years. So, do you do you actually need to go back to that? It's not. There's there's nothing interesting there now. We're sort of witnessing the uh, witnessing the demise of a previously very innovative, interesting firm. But you know. So even in the enterprise market, then, which was probably one of their major strengths, the business yeah, the, side, the, 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 the keeping the security. That even there, this going to struggle. Do you think? Well, the problem with the enterprise market is that if you want to connect BlackBerry devices up to your Exchange server, you used to use a thing called uh, BlackBerry Enterprise Server, which has uh, version 5. In order to connect a BlackBerry 10 device up, you need to... And you, if you have a fleet which has got some old-style BlackBerrys and some BB10 devices, you need to run BES 5 and this new version of uh, BlackBerry Enterprise Server services. And... Um, what a lot of and of course, enterprise. businesses are always so quick to adopt new things. Well, this is two of the problems. <laughs> One is the businesses are just looking at it and going, well, actually, why should we bother? It's much better to go out and buy mobile air, iron or air watch or whatever, and everyone wants iOS, and we've got all this BYOD Android stuff coming in, let's go, let's go with that. And the other thing is that, yeah, enterprises just do everything so slowly, they don't move at market speed. So even if they say, oh, we won't do it for eight weeks, BlackBerry 10 has only been on the market six and a half months. So you can see that every eight-week delay for an enterprise is just absolutely murdering them in the market. Um, and it, it's impossible now. They, they can't catch up. When, once, you, once you tip over that point where you, you could have, you know, you start to go into decline, there hasn't been an example of a firm coming back. Nokia might be the only one, actually. But most of the time, they just die death and people forget about them. And Nokia's had a lot of help from Microsoft, haven't they, really? I mean, they have been the flagship for Windows Phone, haven't they? Yeah, but again, they have had a lot of marketing 
they, they have had a lot of cash support from Microsoft in terms of the marketing, but it's the value of the Nokia brand, I don't think, ever really lost its its shine in the market. And I think that's what they've been able to ride in. They've, they've just about hung on there. Um, and if you look at the Lumia USPs, it's interesting now. The only thing they talk to the market about is really it's got this great camera. So it's it's Lumia is it's a really simple proposition. Is is it's an interesting phone if you want to do good. You know, photography is important to you, and it is important to a lot of people. Um, and it's it's the loop. It's the Lumia USP and that Nokia name that seems to have kept them kept them in. And of course, there is there is room in the market for a third player, and BlackBerry have basically thrown it away. So. That's where they are now. And since we were talking about Nokia, 41 megapixels. Cool, blimey. Yeah. And the pictures look great. And of course, having that high megapixels means you can't essentially have a zoom, which is the one thing, as good as the cameras on smartphones are, not being able to zoom with, you know, without losing quality is a big problem. Yeah, this is a killer, isn't it? I mean, I don't have much of a view about 41 megapixel camera. I'm not sure whether anyone else does. Not particularly. <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> not looking to take any pictures to blow up to the size of billboard posters, you know. So, uh, no, I'm not, not, not particularly bothered about it. Well, me neither, Ken. But I th- look at it this way. When you've used digital zoom on other phones, you lose quality because you're zooming on digitally you can't do it optically there's no actual mechanical lens moving forward and back to actually do the zoom properly Mm -hmm. so if you wanted a closer shot you had to stand closer physically on the nokia the new one with the 41 megapixels it's not just about taking this absolutely massive image you take the massive image and then you can say right but i only actually want this smaller segment over here so you're actually giving the illusion of zoom because you're taking this small section but the quality is just as good that is the key my friend Wow. The next time I take a photo on my phone to be published in a a photography competition, I'll bear that in mind. But until then, who cares? Come on. Woo! Sarcasm alert. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's a a bloody good feature. And Nokia has always had a good strength of photography at its core. And this could really take it over the edge. And if people are just going into stores rather than thinking, I want an iPhone, or I want an Android, or I want Windows Phone, they're actually going in, I'd love a really good camera on my phone. It'd be really handy. Ah, the Nokia 1020 has 41 megapixels. But surely anybody who's that sort of precious about photography would just have a camera. Yeah, but even for... I mean, uh, <laughs> my mate has got this absolutely amazing camera, but it's so heavy. Well, fair enough, I suppose, Yeah. <laughs> And then there's, of course, the case of you maybe just be out and about randomly and you see something which you think is absolutely beautiful and you go and take a photo, but you've only got your phone on you. And there's that use case as well. So you can still be a professional photographer and still use your smartphone camera and still get pleasure out of it. Fair enough. I shall take your word for it. Thank you, Ken. That's very kind. It's probably the one and only time you'll admit to that. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, that's it, folks. Thank you for listening to the Game and Gadget podcast number three. Thank you to my guests, Marty Greenwell, Matt, and of course, Ken. And we'll see you next time on the Game and Gadget podcast. <laughs>